This is a Clark University podcast. Not always do students nor do my employers enjoy the process of working with me. It's focused. It's dedicated. It's hard work. It causes you to come to terms with what you're making and maybe realize like the art I'm making isn't up to where I thought it was. To be honest with yourself and assess like, okay, can you do better or do we need to settle for this? Telling someone they might need to settle is a challenging thing to hear. Telling them that like, you're a great singer, but you can't play guitar. If you want to have awesome guitar on this, it's not going to be you unless you go practice, 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 practice. I know you want to sing all the parts on this, but it's not happening. The music that you wrote does not align with your singing ability. In order to have it delivered the way you want, we either need to process it artificially or we need to bring someone in to do that. Feedback from visiting professor John Fryermuth can feel harsh, but the artists he works with and his students will tell you that feedback is a key component to making some of your favorite records. John is a music engineer who loves bringing lessons from the studio into his classroom lectures. He's worked with a range of artists from Drake to Angel Olsen to indie bands. He typically serves one of three roles while working with artists, whether they're marquee names or the emerging musicians in his classroom. John's entry into the music business is quite unordinary. At age nine, he found his way into a studio. His curiosity turned into a fruitful apprenticeship. I saw where people were going with instruments and then I followed them and didn't leave. I was a pest. So I got my start early on uh, working as an assistant in a variety of recording studios where I had the opportunity to essentially do technical work that I had no understanding of the technical work that I was doing. But it was that process and that understanding of the systems and the procedures that went into making music, that went into making a studio work, that went into preparing for the creative process that's informed all of my work and really prepared me to acquire higher level skills later on. When I understood the process that went into making something, then when it was pointed out to pay attention to particular changes or deviations from the process along the way, I was prepared to understand how they fit in a larger system, which really, really, really was instrumental in my development. I've done a lot of work with a Canadian record label called OVO, whose most famous member would also be their founder and owner, Drake. I've had the opportunity to do a lot of work with some cash money artists. I got to record some early Rick Ross projects when he was working at Swisher House with a microphone we actually have in the corner of the room. A lot of essentially like independent rock acts, a group Methyl Ethel, who I'm really a big fan of, which was really cool to work with, uh, Sharon Van Etten, Mitski, as well as some really, really, really cool young independent bands that have actually let us collaborate with students. I'm working with a couple of students, um, finishing an album for young country artist Brett Welch, which a student from Clark is getting the opportunity to mix, and Sancho Baker, which students in my senior tutorial class are getting the opportunity to produce and mix, which is really fun. John's balance between the studio and Clark gives students an inside look at the industry. I try to make sure that students understand the concepts and the techniques and the skills they're acquiring in my courses 
directly correlate to what is actively happening and what is going to be happening in the industries they hope to join. Whether they're going on to continue their education or they're going to enter the workforce, what I want to do is arm them with the skills that will help them put out music, sound, any type of media they're working on, and the best delivery system that will allow it to be successful. It's understanding that in order to get your music placed on Spotify, you need to have meet these standards. On Apple Music, you need to meet these standards. If you want to get your stuff out on New Music Friday, you need to be competitive in this way, competitive in that way. In the middle of this interview, one of John's students stopped by. Luca Houtsmaller is a budding artist and wanted to get John's opinion on one of his new tracks. We really work on listening to what's coming out and then trying to make sure that what we're doing aligns with where they want to go. If you want to move forward as like a pop rapper, then we need to be listening to what's happening on pop rap albums. And you need to be consuming that music, analyzing it and understanding what the trends are and then how you fit within that. And understanding that if you solely attempt to copy what's out now, you will never be on new music anything. Copying or following a trend by necessity lags behind the edge of that trend. If you heard something that came out six weeks ago and you're like, man, that slaps, I wanna do that, that song goes. By the time you copy that and put it out, it's on to something else. So it's more about understanding what's happening, what's out there now, and what you need to do to help your art get out at that same level. Not necessarily copy what's out there, but meet the standards that allow it to be played next to it. I'm Melissa Hansen, a producer in Clark's communications office, and this is Challenge Change. It's Friday morning and John is listening to new music releases. He's jumping from Spotify to Apple Music, analyzing how different the songs sound based off the playback. First, I'll put the songs on and I will just listen to them and I will see like what catches my attention or what's trending. Once it's trending, I listen to it. Then I listen to it in stages. What's happening compositionally? That's my formal musical analysis. What's happening lyrically? How is that relating to what the artist had done prior? How is that relating to what the artist is doing now? How does that relate to genre expectations? Is it pointing out a problem within that music and addressing it? Is all of that supporting the lyrical content and supporting the musical content these things coming together allow for success in this genre. So it seems like right now we are really getting into the reemergence of early 90s music. And I will say Beyonce's Renaissance is a champion of this new movement, borrowing from the work of the famous 90s artist Wright Said Fred or late 80s, early 90s artists with songs like Alien Superstar, which is a natural progression if we're following things linearly from like Dawn FM by The Weeknd which was so entrenched in the commerce of 80s music. It added incredible value to my musical tastes, which was firmly developed in the 80s. So I was really excited because I became cool again. I certainly was not cool in the 90s. I'm gonna lose that cultural cachet, but someone else will gain it. Tracking musical trends is part of how John stays on the top of his game. Similar to the world of fashion, trends are cyclical and come in response to the social, political, and economic factors of the time. 
If we follow the transition of trends musically, we can see fashion following suit. Overalls with one strap on. I saw a young lady with that this morning. It was like a return to my childhood. These young people haven't experienced it, so they get to live a romanticized version of what it meant to be alive in the 90s without like the worry of like the Gulf War, the Oklahoma City bombing, <laughs> the World Trade Center bombing, like without all of those weird things that played a part in the development of the music of the 90s. They just hear it free from any of the connection about the causes of that music. Grunge music was a response to the heavy metal hair music and the overproduced music of the 80s. Rock went extremely pop at the end of the 80s. Grunge music was the response to that. We have rap as like the most popular pop music now. There's going to be a response to that. Will it be embracing the trends and the concepts that were put forth by early grunge music? Where they're talking about alienation, where they're talking about feeling depressed, where they're talking about a struggle to assimilate, not being part of something, not having something to latch onto. That could very well be the next development in that art form's trend. Or will it be a return to physical musicianship, let's say? One of the big things about the movement from the excess produced albums of the 80s to the music and rock in the early 90s is the fact that it was people obviously playing their instruments. The reason why we could tell is because a lot of it was played very badly, but that gave a sense of authenticity, that gave a sense of realness that helped people like embrace it. I love the Pixies, a 90s group. Could the Pixies play as well as everyone else around? Could they play as well as the people in the outfield? No, but they didn't have to. And if they did, it would not support the narrative or the emotion that was captured in a song like Monkey's Gone to Heaven. So I think we're going to see uh, in rap music and in country music a response like that, whether it be a return to musicianship and virtuosic musicianship, or whether it will be a return to embracing essentially a level of musical development, we'll say. Uh, developing skill sets is the most appropriate way to say it. A lack of uh, virtuosity. <laughs> John balances his two gigs by treating everyone he works with as a peer, whether they're a professional artist or one of his students. I do what I love. I come here, I talk about making records. I love it. I think every one of my students, whatever they think about me, I think one thing they would all say is like, he actually really likes this. I love talking about making records. I love talking about the history of records. I love talking about the history of music, whether it be strange electronic avant-garde compositions in the post-World War II era to the sonic experiments that led to that in the early 1910s and into the 1930s. I love that stuff. Um, and to be able to talk about that and then go home and put those skills to practice allows me to speak in front of a class it's like, listen, I'm putting this to work tonight. Like I'm going to go home and I'm going to do exactly what I just showed you to make some of your favorite records. To learn more about music at Clark, visit clarku.edu slash music. A special thanks to interns Brenna Moore and Daniel Kelly for their help with this episode. This episode contains music from Beyonce, The Pixies, and Luca Houtsmuller. Challenge Change is produced by Andrew Hart and Melissa Hansen for Clark University. Find other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts.
One, two, three. Clark! <laughs>